This message was presented at the GYC 2010 No Turning Back Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, I praise your name. You are an amazing God. Thank you so much for the GYC conference and and each and every person that has come out here, Lord, may they see a greater picture of who you are. And Lord, may, uh, may you speak your words through me. May they not see anything that I have to say, Lord, but only what you want them to know. So Lord, um, be with the technology, be with this uh, presentation, and may it be impactful. We love you. Amen. So Magic Kingdom, we were asked a lot to talk on cartoons, actually, for the last couple of years. And um, I always kind of said, oh, you know, cartoons, come on, they're not that bad, right? They're just harmless kids' stories. And when I finally sat down and I started looking into this phenomenon, I was actually shocked at how deep and how much they, they even attack spiritual truth or, or, or the Bible or Christ, even in the most simplistic cartoons. So before I get started, I'd like you guys to think about one thing. Noah's Ark. I want to talk to you from Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. All of the people in the Bible that exuded amazing faith in the Bible, such as Noah, it goes through in Hebrews, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 12, or Hebrews 11, and it starts out by giving you a clear examples of what true faith was. Can you imagine Noah? Think about this for a minute. You build this thing for a hundred years or more, not ever knowing what's going to happen. That's amazing faith. If you think of Isaac and, and uh, Abraham and Isaac, imagine the faith that, that Abraham had to have to bring his son up there on that mountain, knowing that this was the, the, the child that God gave him to continue on his lineage. I also want to bring your mind to Christ when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Christ was on the ground pleading with God, begging with God, God, I don't want to go through with this. Every single thing in my life, everything that has come up to this moment, I cannot see past this point. Lord, take this away from me. I don't want to go through with this, is what Christ was saying. And in fact, in Matthew 26, 38 through 39, it says that he was exceedingly sorrowful in his soul, even unto death. How many of you have been sorrowful all the way to the point that you want to die? He was amazingly sorrowful. But like it says, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, for not as I will, but your will. You know what this tells me about faith in the Bible? There's two kinds of faith. Or there's two kinds of roads that you can take, rather. You can have complete faith or you can have complete feelings, and they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. If we were to react in the end times off of our feelings, we may be in for a rough ride in the time of trouble. Had Christ reacted at this point off of his feelings, he would not have gone through with the cross. And most of the people in the Bible, had they not reacted off of their faith rather than their feelings, 
Lots of those Bible stories would have happened differently. So faith is believing in the word of God, believing what God says, and then reacting off of that, not your feelings. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The Bible, if you read Deuteronomy, is constantly referring to the law. The law, the law. This is what we need to do. This is, these are the precepts that God has given us. This is what life is all about, is this law. Because what is the law? The law is a description of Jesus Christ. The law brings you to what heaven is like and a description of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about where cartoons first got their start. Walt Disney's um, Mickey Mouse and Steamboat Willie here. Cartoons have, have been around for quite some time now. They used to be hand-drawn, and now they're used, using high-powered computers to make every little fiber of these, these stories, like in Toy Story here. But there's some things that, that have always remained the same about cartoons. Notice the kind of like interesting little violent acts that happen, even when cartoons first started happening. And if you look at like Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, all those guys, they constantly live in a world that is very unrealistic. There's a lot of violent acts that happen. There's a lot of things, Wiley e. Coyote constantly trying to take out the Roadrunner. These things are not really how we're supposed to live life. By the nature of just cartoons, <laughs> they're fighting against the natural law. Really, would the bridge really fall down? So we have these things that are constantly taking this law, the law of gravity, the law of everything, and flipping it around and now starting to make these stories about things that break the law. The Magic Kingdom. Why do so many little girls... Have you, how many of you have ever been to Disneyland? Look at that. How many people have seen little girls like this go to Disneyland just eyeballing every princess and wanting to be them, taking pictures with them? These are huge, impactful things to children. In fact, the boys, they even, you know, they're heroes. They dress up like them, act out like them. Here's some little boys acting out some scenes in Toy Story. So here, this was cute. I actually typed in Toy Story and reenactments on YouTube, and all these videos came up of all these little kids that would dress up like this and reenact these things. Why do we act like the things that we see? You ever thought about that? How many of you adults watch something and go home and get the outfit out and reenact that? Why do you do it as a child? How many of you were here for Tommy's presentation earlier this morning? 
The very first one. Okay, quite a few of you. So I'm going to actually play a short version of the mirror neurons that we have. They have found out that we have these neurons inside of your brains that when you stare at somebody or something else, those neurons fire in exactly the same way as if you were doing it yourself, watching someone else do it. This is brand new science. This is just out of the Is that lab. loud enough? We may have some special circuitry in our brains that helps us whenever we look. How do we turn that up? At each other. Well, as it happens, scientists have an explanation for this strange ability to connect. It's new. And it began entirely by accident at a laboratory in the lovely old city of Parma, Italy, where a group of brain researchers was working with monkeys. And they were testing a neuron, that's a brain cell, that always fired, made this sound, yeah, whenever the monkey would grab for a peanut. So the lab had all these peanuts around, and whenever the monkey made its move, the neuron would fire. Scientists thought, now here's a neuron that is essential to motion. It's a motor neuron. Then one day, the monkey was just sitting around, not moving at all, just sitting, when a human scientist came into the lab, and when that scientist grasped the peanut, yeah, the monkey's cell fired. Now, the monkey hadn't moved. It was the human that had moved, suggesting that this neuron up here couldn't tell the difference between seeing something and doing something. Seeing and doing were the same. Or more intriguingly, that for this neuron, watching somebody do something is just like doing it yourself. Imagine the implications of that. Is that sinking in, you guys? You guys can go in. I'm going to actually skip over this next thing because this, 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 we've got a lot of stuff that I'd like to cover. What we see, you guys, affects us. If you haven't seen any of our, pre our earlier versions of our videos and things, we go all into the scientific side of what's happening inside your brain. What you watch affects you, and often we repeat what we see. Makes sense. Somebody comes out with a really cool pair of jeans on TV. What happens? Now everybody goes out and buys the pair of jeans. It's what happens. And it's because think about how babies learn. They learn by watching their parents. And all of a sudden they repeat the actions of their parents. Therefore, these mirror neurons are firing. So, what does that mean? To demonstrate, he... In fact, yeah, I'm, I'm going to skip over that one. Matthew 5, 21 and 22 says, Ye have heard that it is said of the, of the time of old, Thou shalt not kill, but whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And he goes on to say, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in her heart. We all know in this room that the sin starts in the mind. In fact, our brains make sense, have these mirror neurons that are firing, repeating things that we see. That's why it's so damaging that the devil has created a device now that you watch other people sin because now all of a sudden he's reflecting. People go out and do the same things, but they feel like, you know what? I'm not the one that's doing it. They're the one that's doing it. So what does that mean when you watch things on TV, especially cartoons as an early, early age that glorify sexuality? This is actually a Tom and Jerry. And you gotta keep in mind, most adults don't watch this kind of stuff. 
These are little kids that like to like watch these cartoons. And so what does it mean to have all of this sexuality that's being overplayed throughout Disney? We are monkey see, monkey do. Monkey see, monkey do. I want to play with all of them. And we develop our notions of reality from the cultural um, mechanisms around us. And one of the most important cultural institutions that we have today is indeed the media. Disney and uh, Disney movies over the years is how little the image of females has really changed. You still have the same highly sexualized female body with the big breasts, the tiny waists, the fluttering eyelashes, the coy expressions, um, the seductress. seem very similar over the years and even when they're in animal form you know you've got this very seductive little female animal Hello? this presents people with a kind of notion of what femininity is about. This is not a mirror on society. This is not reflecting who women really are or what females really are. It is basically constructing notions of what femininity is. And these are not notions that necessarily Disney invented. But what they do do with these notions is they caricature them, they wrap them up in this magic kingdom wrapper, and they sell them to children. And that's really the power of Disney. When they're young, they're trying to figure out what does it mean to be a woman? What do I look like if I'm a girl? What should I look like? And they'll focus on the most salient, dramatic images they can see. They don't necessarily think about, well, that doesn't look like the women I know in real life. They don't make those kinds of comparisons because that's kind of like making a movie, putting a whole story together, doing logical comparisons. They think about one slide at a time. This is how it looks here. Gee, that's interesting. Maybe I want to look like that. Jasmine in the Aladdin film, in which uh, there's a scene where she becomes a seductress to distract the person who's after Aladdin. I never realized how incredibly handsome you are. Mm, that's better. Now. Pussycat, tell me more about myself. Your beard is so twisted. This I find uh, very dangerous because you have, um, again, it gives young girls an, an, the idea that that is the way that you get what you want. You use your body. So little girls and little boys watch this kind of stuff. And you can imagine what goes on in a little girl's mind, what a princess is. And you know, Brandon shared something with me the other day. He has a, uh, a daughter that's uh, five.
five years old, four and a half years old. And she came up to him the other day and she saw a picture of a princess and she said, Brandon, or she said, Daddy, is that what beautiful is? And he had to say, you know what? Beauty is in your heart. But here they constantly portray that beauty is an external thing and just twisting what a woman is really supposed to be like to these young girls. Even Toy Story 3 has sexual innuendos in it. So, who's ready for Ken's Dream Tour? Let's show our new friends where they'll be staying. Uh, folks, if you want to step right this way. Hi, I'm Ken. Barbie, have we ever met? Uh -uh. I would have remembered. <laughs> so he meets her. He's blown away at how beautiful she is. And five minutes later, this is what he asks Barbie. Will I see you again? Oh, I'll see you tonight. In my dreams. No. Ken, let's get a move on. Barbie, come with me. Live in my dream house. I know it's crazy. I know we just met. Ah, oh, heck, you don't know me from G.I. Joe, but when I look at you, I feel like we were made, made for, for each other. other? <gasps> Yay! Yes! Ken? Coming, Lotso! <laughs> so wait a minute. Let's ponder what just happened here. Five minutes later, and they're like, hey, why don't you come live with me in my dream house? Right? We think it's funny, but you know what? The Bible is pretty specific about adultery. It's pretty specific about the law in a subtle, subtle, damaging way. In fact, in Proverbs 6.24, it says, To keep thee from an evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with thy eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman a man is brought to a piece of bread, and adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Be careful. Be careful that there are these feelings that God has given us that are meant for marriage. They're meant for beautiful things. But yet we constantly portray it that it's just an external thing. Ken doesn't know anything about Barbie. Come on. Anyway. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6.17 says, Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, and his testimonies and his statutes hath he commanded. He is constantly telling us, Keep the law, keep the law. And you know what I found? Walt Disney constantly attacks the law. Constantly attacks this idea of fighting against the law and going with your what? Your heart constantly. So here's how they do it. They sell you this image and they wrap it all in these pretty packages of the princess getting the man in the fairy tale tower. But let me show you who are these princesses and who are some of these princes that they're actually after? Mulan II, which was one of the, one of the princesses, Mulan, from China. And uh, this second version of this um, cartoon has a very interesting parallel. There is a little character that they're going to show you right here that they term as the savior of China. Savior of China, you have ennobled the house of Ba. 
In gratitude, we honor you. All veneration to you, almighty. Say it, say my name. Mushu. That's what I'm talking about. Does this strike anybody as interesting in this room? That the savior is a little red guy with horns and looks like a dragon. That's the beginning of the movie. It gets way worse. And this is like, keep in mind, these things are not aimed at you guys. They're aimed at little kids. So in this, this character Mulan, this is um, the princess uh, Mulan, and uh, he is her guardian, okay? Oh, you know, I'm the guy that gave you and Pretty Boy the hookup. Am I a guardian or am I a guardian? <laughs> oh, you're more than that, Mushu. You're my most trusted friend. <laughs> so he's the guardian of the whole entire setup, and he is her most trusted friend? Hmm. So the setup of this is she is going to marry a prince. This guy, or the general, she wants to marry the general. And the emperor is wanting them to escort his three daughters to an arranged marriage. Each one has an arranged marriage. So these three girls here are going to do this arranged marriage, but Mulan has a marriage of her own choice, which is this general. So that's the setup of what's going on here. Now this is where it starts to get indoctrinating, if you will. This is the part where the princess sees Mulan, who is extremely happy in her life, and she is supposed to marry some guy she doesn't even know or has never even met, and she's now going to ask Mulan for advice. Fa Mulan? Your Highness, is anything wrong? No, no, not at all. Are you sure? Uh, I just wanted to compliment you. You were so brave to take your father's place in the army. Oh, well, thank you. Your duty was to stay home, but your heart told you to break the rules. How did you decide between duty and heart? Uh, oh. Well, it wasn't easy, but uh, by following my feelings, I wound up doing the right thing. I guess I learned that my duty is to my heart. My duty is to my heart. Yes, that makes sense. That's marvelous. Do you remember what Tom talked about earlier today? Planting seeds? The devil is a seed planter also. He's planting tares in the children's minds. Following your heart is the duty? What does Jeremiah 17.9 say about the heart? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Trust not in your heart. Trust in your faith. So this Mulan character gets a little more interesting. Now, Mushu, the guardian of the world, finds out that uh, Mulan is getting married and he decides that uh, he's going to wake up the dead to help with this whole marriage. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Wiki, wiki, dead people. We got work to do, so let's move oh, with purpose. Uh, In fact, he has lordship over the dead. Now, Mulan's getting married. 
And the dead are very excited about this news because he doesn't know that if the marriage actually happens, he loses his position as guardianship. Hey, this looks like a for real pink slip. You know, like a, <laughs> you're a fired pink slip. Oh, it is. Say what? <laughs> the pink slip is for you. It is written, once a woman marries, her husband's ancestors take over the duty of guardianship. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Your scroll must have a uh, typo. That, that can't be. Oh, but it is. You're out of a job. Out of a pedestal and out of our hair. Wow. They even use terminology as it is written. That when this marriage happens, you will lose your position as guardianship over this situation. How many of us know that when that wedding day comes, how many of you want to be there on that wedding day? Amen. I want to be there so badly that this type of theology is, is, is crazy. So Mulan here, you're going to see this little dragon now because he knows that if this wedding happens, his whole focus shifts. Instead of making her happy, now he's going to destroy the wedding. Dang, an arranged marriage? I know, but not everyone can be as lucky as we are. In an ideal world, everyone would marry for love. <sighs> but the world isn't perfect. I'm just glad my world is. <sighs> my world. Talk about selfish. You know, you don't hear me bragging about how it's my world, even though it pretty much is. I'm telling you, Cricky, the sooner I bust them apart, the better things will be for Mulan. So his whole focus becomes busting them apart. And here's where you start to see this character turn more into the devil than he does Mulan's friend. Speaking of bending rules. You know, relationships are easy when everything runs nice and smooth. Mulan, nice and smooth, just ran out of camp. Hey, what about old Shanghai? I think I better handle this one on my own. Shang's on a short fuse as it is. Just make sure nothing wakes him up. <laughs> you can count on me. So then he decides to go and wake up the other guy and get them to fight against each other. And look at how they even portray this character who, let me just call him straight out, the devil whispers in your ear. Fired you. She insulted you. Man, she laughed at your map. My map. And if she's laughing to your face, imagine what she's saying oh. behind your back. My back. Oh. Oh. She's a loose cannon. She's out of control. She's out of control. I mean, who's in charge here? You? I'm in charge. Oh, Mulan. 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 Mulan! Huh? I imagine this is what it's really like, right? Whispering thoughts in our heads. Oh, look at what that person said about you. And then go to that person, look at what he said about you. And they're putting us in children's cartoons. So then he, when he gets found out, this is the part that he decides to come clean. No, what did you do? <laughs> you was getting married. Everything was going to change. I was going to lose you. And my pedestal. You mean you got between Shang and me so you could keep your job? I'm sorry. What you did was unforgivable. Oh, all those problems, they weren't us. They were you. Huh. Oh, I've 
got to talk to Shang. Tell him I love him. Yeah. Mulan, I'll make it up to you. I promise. So the end of the movie ends with this wedding ceremony happening, and um, she's supposed to marry the prince and the general that she was in love with. He, like, supposedly died, but then he came back to life. I don't know quite how to explain that. And so this little, um, this little um, Mushu character is going to try to fix this wedding so, that, so that, sh- that, that she'll marry the right guy, the general. And guess what he uses? He uses an idol to speak through. And everybody believes him because he's speaking through this idol, but he's really in there with just a speaker. Ready, huh? But, but, but your greatness, General Li Shang, is not the son of Kiko. Silence! I am the golden dragon of unity, and I decide whom to unify. My all-seeing eye has peered into the very heart of Chan. My all-seeing eye? Mmm. For all you conspiracists out there. <laughs> I'm one of you. <laughs> anyway. So in the end, what happens now is this marriage is fixed. And here's the really the crux of the whole matter. They are coming into the temple right now. And remember, if the marriage happens, this little dragon loses his place. But it actually doesn't end like that. Shang, what are you doing? Watch and see. What is he doing? It can't be. He's he's combining the family temples. <gasps> uh, excuse me, uh, what does that mean exactly? You know, for me. It, it means... Yeah, what? What? It means what? Unfortunately, you get to keep your pedestal. Oh, yeah! So they combine the, the, the two temples, they combine the theology, and everybody's happy, and that's how they end the movie. Wow, not really a kid's story, is it? Interesting, that's just one princess. So, Jasmine, I'm not going to go into this whole explanation of this, and Aladdin, okay, you've got to listen to the songs and listen to the words that are in the songs. As he's taking her for the magic carpet ride right here, here's what he's actually singing to her. I can show you a world which is shining and shimmering and splendid. Tell me, princess, when did you last let your heart decide? I can open your eyes. When was the last time you heard something being said that your eyes would be open? Maybe in Genesis 3. Take you wonder by wonder over sideways and under on a magic carpet ride. A whole new world, a fantastic point of view where no one will tell you no or where to go. Whose theology is that? Hmm. And who is Aladdin? What was his job? Do you remember? He was a thief. Hmm. Interesting. So now you got this princess falling in love with the thief. And he's, that's what the whole love story is all about. In fact, this whole idea of going against the rules and going against the laws happens quite a bit with Disney. This is a movie trailer that they played in the movies for the Peter Pan um, real-life Peter Pan story, and uh, just listen to the words. No, not Napoleon. <laughs> it's time for you to grow. What if you could escape to a faraway world without parents? Forget them, Brendan. Forget them all. Come away to Neverland. 
without any rules, without anyone telling you what to do. Come with me, we will never, never have to worry about grown-up things again. Never is an awfully long time. Wow. Let me take you to a place where you never have any rules, you never have to grow up. The only thing you have to do is leave home behind, and you can never, ever come back. Hmm. I know somebody else that said that exact same thing to all of the angels in heaven. Aren't you tired of working for God? He's too hard, he's too exacting, he's got this thing called the law that everybody's supposed to keep. Don't you want to just go to a place where you can do whatever you want? That's not God's theology. Pan, which is who Peter Pan is, is an old ancient Greek Roman god. In fact, this guy is where we get our idea that the devil looks like he has horns and he has hooves and he has goat feet and all that kind of stuff. Does he really look like this? No. But Pan has always been worshipped as a devil, okay? So... I find it interesting that their love story is Pan. Now, here's Pan popping up in 1940s Fantasia, okay? Playing the piper and with the unicorns. Here's Pan in Hercules as Hercules' little sidekick. Here's Pan in uh, Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Here's Pan in, in Family Guy, okay? So Peter Pan, obviously giving it away that he is Pan from the Pan's pipe. And, and of course, his theology is, is a lot more like a devil, so, what about Aladdin and his little genie? You know this genie thing that shapeshifts and turns into people in animal forms? You know, I did a little digging into where does the genie come from, and uh, I think you'll find this quite interesting. It comes from the Arabic word jinn. Okay, this is just from dictionary.com. You guys should check this out if you want on your own. And here's what it says a jinn is. It's any class of a spirits lower than the angels, which is capable of appearing in animal and human forms and influencing humanity for good or evil. And guess where the origin comes from? A demon. So interesting. Here a thief, Aladdin, has this little thing that makes him famous and popular and gives him money, which is a demon in his origin. Hmm. Oh, work, come on. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't go out. So, here we have all these lead characters that are starting to pop up. The demons, the devils, the dragons. These are the lead characters in a lot of these movies. Now, Pocahontas has this, like, she talks to the spirits and she always consults the willow. So listen to what the willow tree tells Pocahontas to do. Grandmother Willow, I need to talk to you. Good morning, child. I was hoping you'd visit today. Oh, wow. Your mother's necklace? That's what I wanted to talk to you about. My father wants me to marry Kokuum. Kokuum? But he's so serious. I know. My father thinks it's the right path for me. But Grandmother Willow, what is my path? How am I ever going to find it? <laughs> Your mother asked me the very same question. She did? What did you tell her? I told her to listen. All around you are spirits, child. They live in the earth, the water, the sky, 
If you listen, they will guide you. I hear the wind. Yes. What is it telling you? I don't understand. Que, que, notura, you will understand. Listen with your heart, you will understand. So this listen to your heart. You can talk to the spirits. They will guide you. Are these children's themes? What does um, the Bible say about seducing spirits? First Timothy, we know that there are seducing spirits out there. From this verse, some will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We know that there are spirits out there, but who are those spirits? The Bible's pretty specifically clear on who these seducing spirits are also. And a warning to us in Leviticus 19.31 says, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them, for I am the Lord your God. We have to get our direction from God, not from the spirit world. So even Cinderella has I've been trying to obey someone else's rules about who I should be and how I should dress. Do you, know, do you notice how it's like, I'm obeying somebody else's rules, how I should look, how I should dress. I'm going to do it however I want to do it. And you wonder why we're still here when this is constantly being pumped into the world. The song that she sings says, Who's to say that the rules must stay the same forevermore? Whoever made them had to change the rules that came before. So make your own way. Show the beauty within. When you follow your heart, there's no heart that you cannot win. Hmm. And then let's get to Wally. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want... But let me tell you, remember, we, we, we are in a war, and the devil is the most subtly created being on the face of the planet. Let me tell you, let me tell you something from the bottom of my heart. I do not trust Walt Disney with a hundred million foot pole. So anything that has Walt Disney's name on it, I don't trust it. Now that's me, that's my opinion off the research I've done. You guys can take that for whatever it's worth. I'm not going to make any stabs, but you know what? If you're making gospel stories, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, using a company called Walt Disney to make the biblical story, I'm going to ask questions. Just leave you to think about that for a second. So let's get to Wally. I find it interesting, for all you conspiracists out there, that he's in a circle with five points in it upside down. So I said, where are you going with this Walt Disney? I know you've been involved in this occult stuff for a while. So here's the opening scene of Wally. It shows you a planet with all this trash around the planet, nothing on the planet at all, except for only one thing on the planet. When is there ever going to be a time when the planet is completely destroyed and nobody is on the planet except for one thing? Mmm. Where are you going with this, Walt Disney? Where are you going with this? So, everybody is up in a ship in the sky. Interesting. And on this ship, what is it like? Where everything is 72 degrees and perfect and everybody walks in line 
only, guess what? They're fat. And they're overweight. Because you've got to remember, the devil will never paint a true picture of what heaven is going to be like. You ever heard somebody and you asked them and you said, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Have you ever heard people that don't believe in God and say, why would I want to do that? It'd be boring. Right? Occultists think the same thing. So here, where it's 72 degrees and everybody walks in line and everything is perfect, these are all rep- misrepresentations, I should say, of what heaven is like. Okay? So now, back on earth, all the humans are waiting to come back to earth. Hmm. In the Bible, it says when we go to heaven and there's Satan sitting on the earth by himself, someday God will take us back down here and rebuild earth, right? So here the humans are sending a probe out to see if it's safe to go back to earth. And this probe is called Eve. Interesting. In the Gnostic view, type in the word Gnosticism and Eve, and you'll see what pops up. The Gnostics are huge into this whole Eve thing. So, and that's, of course, flipping the biblical stories upside down on their back. So Eve is here to, to search for life on this planet. Now, Wally finds a little tiny plant, and he goes to sh- impress Eve and shows her and so, of course, she like, takes this little plant, and that's her sign that it's okay and safe for the humans to come back to Earth. So she gets sent to this ship. Actually, I needed to show you that. Um, so she gets sent back to the ship that everybody is on um, up in the sky. Okay? So here, it'll get to this. Now, this ship, Wally catches a ride on the ship to go back into this, um, this planet. And the camera pans up. And shows you the name of the ship. And they obviously want you to see this name. Okay? So I went to dictionary.com and typed in the name Axiom. And here's what I found. Axiom is a self-evident truth that requires no proof. Or a universally accepted principle or rule or law. Hmm. So everybody, all the human beings are up in this perfect paradise environment which is defined by truth... And the law, and here Wally, who is this person that's been on the planet all by himself, i.e. Satan, is coming into this perfect environment for the very first time. And that's where we get to here. So Wally, on his way into this environment, all of these robots that come from an outside world get checked and cleaned by these little cleaner guys. Now notice how he's only moving when the guiding light tells him to move. Do you notice that? Subtle, subtle little things that they do. And everybody walks in line. And they get to the place where they're actually going to clean all of these robots. Now, Wally accidentally gets grabbed. And so as they're sitting there cleaning there, he checks Wally. And he looks at him and he says, oh, 100% contaminated. Who is 100% contaminated? Satan. So here we got a 100% contaminated situation of this guy coming into this perfect, pristine environment, and this little guy tries to clean him to no avail, of course, and because Wally is not cooperating, the police are then called. Notice how everybody always is on a line, never stepping outside of this line. (laughs) He's just messing with him now, just causing chaos. Puts dirt on him. And then in the background, he notices that as these police are coming to check him out, that they take Eve, who he's in love with, in the background, and then he decides to follow Eve, cutting straight across the lines, which, which leaving this dirty trail, and now this cleaner robot, which sees this thing, it's his job to clean all the dirt, but he's never been off the line before. 
So he looks at the line, he looks at the dirt, he looks at the line, he contemplates what's the consequence of getting off of the line is going to be, and all of a sudden, there's no consequence. Mm, no consequence for stepping out of line. Do you, guys, do you guys realize the subtle psychological mind trip that they play in these young children's movies? So, they take Wally to a psychiatric ward and quarantine him. Okay? So this psychiatric ward is for all, the, all of the things that don't, um, don't follow the laws or don't work or whatever you want to call it. They're all the broken, busted toys. But you know what? I know somebody else that was quarantined for not doing the same thing. Now, Wally thinks that they're hurting Eve, his friend, and so he grabs her arm, accidentally shoots the, uh, the security thing, and now all of these guys are let out of so-called prison or jail or whatever, and all the police are going to come and, and find them. And notice how everybody's still walking on lines, and now all of a sudden you have chaos entered into this perfect world, as ha- and Wally is their hero for bringing chaos. Okay, so now here's the police. Then now there's a full-on rebellion breaking out on this ship, and now they're going to fight against them. I want to point something out here that's very subtle. Also, notice the little cleaner robot is now on their side, and notice he is no longer clean. He is now dirty. Even those little tiny subtle things are just blurps in the moment. Oh, and I also wanted to point this out. What color are they wearing? Guess what color they were wearing when it was a perfect environment? Blue. Why blue? Blue's the law. So all of a sudden, when this chaos in the environment happens, that's when you see everybody change outfits, and now they all want to rebel against this ship and go back home to Earth. And Wally is their leader. And in fact, they go home to rebuild Earth. Now, let me tell you, that's a very occult view of the world. You know, this whole green movement, uh, uh, I was talking to somebody in here earlier today, and they said, yeah, but Wally had this really great green message. Do you know that occultists are also green? I bet you there's a whole mess of Wiccans that, that drive around in electric vehicles. Does that mean that that's a good thing? So the world we already know, they're wanting to unite it, create this whole unity between all of us, and what better way to do it? then save the planet. So that was the whole reason that the save the planet theme was in this movie. Now, Megamind just came out, I think, like, literally days ago or something, didn't it? I also, I also want you to know, I don't watch movies anymore. That comes up a lot. People go, well, how do you know what they're saying in here? I'll tell you what, I do a lot of reading about it. And when I have to sit down and pull clips from things, I literally know exactly what I'm looking for, and I toggle through it and I grabbed the clip. So all of these things that I'm going to show you right here, I have never even seen this movie. It's just from the trailer. Within two minutes of a trailer, you can tell exactly who and where and what they're going to say to you. So this is what we're trying to do, is make an awareness for you guys so that you can make proper choices of what you allow into your mind. Mega mind. Here's the story. Let me know when any alarm bells go off in, in uh, some of your guys' head. There's a war in the galaxy, okay? And all of a sudden, this character Megamind is now cast down to Earth, represented with a nice um, lightning bolt on his chest. Turns out another family in the Glaupunk quadrant had a very similar idea. 
was the day I met Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. And our glorious rivalry was born. Golden Goody Goody Two Shoes. So now Goody Goody Two Shoes arrives to Earth. Guess when? What day? Ironically. Ah. Christmas Day to save the day. I mean, not saying that Christmas is like the day that he got there, but just want you to know this is the psychological thing that they're doing. So guess what? Megamind gets sent to the criminally gifted prisoners. Hmm. So now we know who the two characters are, right? You've got the devil and you've got Jesus, okay? The, now, this is the Jesus character, Mega, or Metro Man, all grown up. One would be cheer. Happy Metro Man Day, Metro City. I love you, Metro Man. And I love you, random citizen. While the other... Table for two... ...was feared. What? What? Ah! So one's feared, one is actually hailed, and they even make a day after him that they say Happy Metro Man Day and all this kind of stuff. It's your basic classic story between good versus evil, which has got a lot of themes in today's things. He's the villain, he's the good guy, right? But let, check this out. For all of you skeptics out there, what's he doing? Mm, this thing's chock. This is a two-minute trailer I'm showing you. Chock full of spiritual themes. And so here's the crux of the story, okay? Here's where the indoctrination starts to come. A new threat has come to Metro City. Consider yourselves under new management. And Metro Man is nowhere to be found. He'll destroy the whole city. I'm sorry. I'm finally free to get in touch with my true power. Making awesome music. You're kidding, right? So wait a minute. Listen to this mind trip. There's a war going on. Now there's some new problem on the planet. And guess where Jesus is? He's nowhere to be found. He's up there making some music and finding his inner chi. So guess who gets to step up to the plate as the savior of the world? When the world needs a hero. You need to be that guy. Well, this is a strange turn of events. He will answer the call. So Satan's going to answer the call, okay? And in fact, they even title it the good battle between good and evil. It'll blow your mind. I made bad look so good. Dreamworks Mega Mind. You're kidding, right? It's funny. They got that. What two songs did they just mix together? Highway to Hell and I'm loving you. Highway to Hell. Um, it's psychologically planting seeds in your mind when you hear that. Isn't that amazing? They're so good at what they do. They're so clever at what they do that it is so difficult to pick this stuff out. It takes a lot of studying of the genuine to even be able to contemplate the errors that are being thrown at the public. Absolutely mind-boggling at how they do this. Yeah. 
I think we're out of time, aren't we? <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants. How many of you have actually seen this show? Okay, lots of people, right? Is it marketed to you? Nope. Lots and lots of little people. In fact, it's so mindless. I tried to watch a couple clips and I was like, oh boy. You laugh at some parts, but you're just like, wow, who, how do you find this funny? SpongeBob, okay, here he is in a totally Masonic order and having a Masonic. I would like to call this meeting of the Good Neighbor Lodge to order. Let's begin with roll call. Patrick. By the all-seeing eye, we are worthy. We are not. What are you two doing? Secret ritual. To inaugurate you as president. Me? President of Bikini Bottom? Uh, no, silly. Not the president of Bikini Bottom. You're the president of the Secret Royal Order of the Good Neighbor Lodge. For what? Oh, is this some club you two made up? It's a secret. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do you think a two-year-old knows about masonry? And these secret societies? Wow, and this is a very common theme, actually, in SpongeBob SquarePants. Here's a totally different Masonic order, totally different scenario and setup and scene. I'll never forget my initiation ceremony. <laughs> 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 Okay, I'm going to move through a couple of these clips because I think we actually are running out of time. But I want to show you some of the dangerous adult content that's also slid in there. That's very subtle, but also keep in mind children, lots and lots of children watch these kind of things. Here is SpongeBob watching porn. Just looking for the sports channel, Gary. I thought that was a joke. I actually searched long and hard, and I was like, man, somebody photoshopped that thing or did something funny. And you know what? I saw tons and tons of clips on YouTube of people actually holding up their video cameras at home, videoing their TV because they were appalled by this. And it says Nick at Night at the bottom corner. This is very real. And you wonder why a lot of people have problems in that area. In fact, Tom and Jerry, they have Masonic situations. What's this? Well, from the looks of things, sir, I'd say they are here to audition for the remaining slot in the fabulous super race. Is this some kind of a joke? A pussycat and a mouse? This show is about crazy stunts and people putting their lives at risk for a big fat prize. It's not a nature documentary. Irving, call security and have these two. Sir, sir, it's him. Gives me the creeps, sir. He's the president of Hollywood. He's supposed to give you the creeps. Greetings, your tinsliness, imperious leader of Hollywood. Wait, when 
when I watched Tom and Jerry, weren't they like chasing each other around? This is, the, this is what they're feeding the kids of today? It just keeps going and going, people. I could stand up here for hours and hours and show you like the just crazy things after cartoon after cartoon. I mean, I could even, like Simpsons, of course, that's a no-brainer, right? Okay, so we're not even going to show this. He, he goes through this whole Masonic like uh, ritual. If you want to see this, you can, we have it on our DVD. <laughs> I always wondered if there was a God, and now I know there is, and it's me. I mean, just constantly kind of saying, look, I, I'm the God, right? This, lots of people that don't know what's going on. Um, I want to end it on this clip, and, and I, I must apologize to you guys before. This is an extremely blasphemous clip. But I want you guys to realize the severity of this, okay? This is extremely, extremely... How can we support anything that this guy does? And here is this clip. This is Jesus at the supper of these guys. Wow, Jesus Christ at our dinner table. <laughs> I still can't get over it. I'm actually glad you're all here tonight. I want to tell you that one of you will betray me. <laughs> Just kidding. Ah, he's doing that thing he did in his storybook. So, Jesus, finish that story you were telling us. Oh, all right, all right. So there I was, they'd just beaten me senseless, stuck thorns in my head, nailed me to a piece of wood, shoved a sponge full of vinegar in my mouth, and killed me. Then, they put me in a hole with a rock in front of it for two whole days, and come Sunday, bam, I rise from the dead. Okay, that sounds like a nutty weekend, but I can top it. So me and Cleveland and Joe are just wrecked on Southern Comfort, right? We know we're gonna puke, but Joe says, hey, let's go see Chronicles of Riddick. Sat through the whole thing without puking, then I get home, wouldn't you know I lost my glasses? Eh? Peter one, Jesus zero. You know, Jesus, if I go get my cell phone, would you mind talking to my friend Muriel Goldman? I really just want to rub her Jewish nose in this. All right, I'll be the one to say it. How do we know you're really Jesus? Can you perform miracles? Sure. How about this? Oh, boy, Sundays! I love you, Jesus! Oh, I love you too, fella. That's my king they're talking about. That's my king. That's my savior that pulled me out of Hollywood. I was a mess, you guys, a mess. And they're just slamming him. These cartoons that create the devil as the lead character. Wow, this is heavy. And you got to think there's a world of people that just, they think it's funny, but they're planting seeds inside of their head. The God that I serve that came down, humbled himself so much to come from his kingdom to come down here and save you and I. That's an amazing, amazing story in itself. And all he did when he was here was to save and heal and be with humanity. When the rest of the universe was saying, leave the human race, they're a mess, they're never going to be saved. He said, you know what, there's only one person that can save them and that's me. And Jesus, what was he doing? He was down here teaching, teaching the law. Why the law? Why showing the law? Because the law is a description of heaven, it's a description of Christ. It's a description of what we should be living as Christians every day. 
and it's being undermined and constantly attacked. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, this God that died our death on that cross, please don't support these things that constantly attack that. Christ, he's your best friend. He loved children so much, he never wanted to turn them away. And let me tell you, it breaks my heart that Walt Disney in Hollywood wants to destroy God in children's minds. Brothers and sisters, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for for dying on that cross, our death. Thank you so much for coming down and teaching us and being with us and giving us this opportunity to be called the sons of God. Lord, may you be with this GYC and may you bless each and every message that comes out of this place. We love you. Amen. This message was produced by GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians in contemporary contexts. To download or purchase other resources like this, or if you have been blessed by GYC and would like to donate, visit gycweb.org or email info at gycweb.org. You could also reach us via mail at P.O. Box 3786 Ann Arbor, Michigan 48106. This recording is licensed under Creative Commons. This means you can copy and share it with anyone you like. Please attribute this recording to GYC wherever you reuse it. And keep in mind that resale and alteration are strictly prohibited.